one. G'day, footy fans. Welcome to episode number one of the Big Footy Summer Series podcast. Apologies for the delay. Um, we did have some issues with the satellite. Um, Malcolm Turnbull, please return my messages regarding the NBN. It's an absolute pile of trash. I'm Lee Grill, and joining me is my co-host, or am I his co-host, Michaels. Hi, mate. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Can't complain. Looking forward to getting stuck in. Yes, we'll be good. So I'll, just a quick... Uh, also, I'll do, I'll do an apology in advance if there's some bad background noise here. It is raining quite heavily where I am, so that can't be helps, but uh, we'll push on nonetheless. I'm sure things will run smoothly. Um, just a quick rundown of tonight's show. Uh, Michaels and myself and, and of course, the guest panellists will be going through some of the issues affecting AFL footy at the moment, plus a few bits and pieces from other sporting codes, and we might throw in a few general discussions. So let me introduce our guest panellists for this evening. Our first panellist has been a big member of Big Footy since 2008, moderator of the Richmond board since 2015, and contributor to the Tiger cast. And don't get him mixed up with that mascot on the 1980s Smith Crisps advertisement. We have Grokadoc. Hey, Grok, how you doing? I'm pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. We also have the godfather of the stern look, which is Bigfooty's North Melbourne podcast, my longtime collaborator and specialist number 11 batsman for the Dora Creek Cricket Club, <laughs> Kangaroos Forever. K4, how are you, mate? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Slight correction, though. Opening batsman, of course. <laughs> oh, did, they flip the, did they flip the order, did they? We're just that bad, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You must, be, you must be going for reverse outright if you're batting number one, surely. Good times. Okay, before we get down to business, we do need to address the elephant in the room. Fans of the 17 other AFL clubs won't like hearing this, but I feel we need to get it out the way and discuss the events of September 30th this year. Of course, I'm talking about the grand final. Michaels and Crocodile, I will give you one minute to say what you will about the premiership. Your time starts now. All right, well, we've actually got a statement for this one, and we've even found a sponsor to come on board to assist us with this statement. So if you could just picture us with the backdrop like the coaches have with the little signs behind them. Uh, so That's 20 seconds. This segment is sponsored by Matani, the South Australian salt experts. So for all your products and recipes, go to www.matani.com.au. So big shout out to them. 80 days ago to the day, Richmond achieved the ultimate success, defeating Adelaide Crows by 48 points in a clinical display. First of all, we would like to thank the AFL for scheduling us a home qualifying final against the higher rated side in Geelong. We would also like to thank the MRP for clearing Trent Cochran and Brandon Ellis. Both were non-issues and simply media beat-ups. Thirdly, we would like to thank the AFL again for making us wear our Clash Guernsey, making it a lot easier to pick out holding the man free kicks. And lastly, to Taylor Walker, Tom Lynch, Eddie Betts and Josh Jenkins, thanks for knocking off work at 3pm on the 30th of September. We would also like to acknowledge Kane Corns for saying we were pretenders and mentally weak after losing to St Kilda. And to the Big Footy community, yes, it is true, we still haven't beaten anyone good. <laughs> okay, Michael, so was that fun? That, oh, I love that. Can we do that? Can that be a weekly segment? Can I just read that out each time for the first minute? Uh, no, we can't, no? because okay. we will be talking about this again. So, <laughs> Big Footy fans, don't worry, that is it. Okay, so I think we'll move on to the first item, Michaels. Yeah, so first up on the list, so we are going to discuss some of the hot topics that have been around the AFL in the off-season. 
AFLX being one of them. Uh, so it's launching on February 15 across three nights in a round-robin format, six teams in each pool, two 10-minute halves with a two-minute break at half-time. It's obviously a bit of a hybrid game um, and has caused quite a lot of discussion amongst AFL fans out there. So I'll start with you, Grok. What are your thoughts on AFLX? Does it have a place in the football market? Um, I, th- I think it does, but I think with the um, announcement that there's going to be no prize money for the winners, um, I just I, d- I don't think that, that many clubs are going to take this seriously. Um, I mean, it's going to it's just one of those things that I think is just going to be a one of those fad entertainment things that the AFL is just going to put in place to try and drum up some revenue and everything. But honestly, I, I really don't see it having much of a future. I think. Um, most most people and fans would rather see um, State of Origin stuff like that come back. Yeah, it's yeah, the, the, the no prize money thing's a bit of a, a catch, isn't it? I mean, you really do have to reward the clubs for putting their players on the line to play it. Kangaroos forever. What about yourself? Yeah, this... What are your your thoughts on it all? Well, my thoughts mirror mirror that exactly. I just don't see any clubs putting up their best players for this, especially if they can get injured, even in these short little gimmick type games. If you want to go as far as calling it the gimmick. But it is really, it's especially with no prize money. It's just not going to end well for yeah. the AFL's hopes for no, this game. There's no incentive for clubs to really bother paying much attention to it. Like, what if they, if they're not getting anything out of it? There's there's a risk of injuries. It's really not worth it in the end for them to sabotage the rest of their season just for you know one little gimmick. Yeah, no. Um, I think. You've got to ask the question, what is the concept trying to achieve? I think, um, to be honest, from my point of view, I think the AFL have seen the success of 2020 cricket and go, we can do something like that. However, I think there's major differences between what cricket has done with the 2020 and what AFLX is proposing to do. I think 2020 cricket works because it changes how the game is played. I mean, you've got you still got your 10 wickets, but over a shorter period of time, that means um, batsmen can score more freely, they can go for more shots, and that you know increases the, um, the, the entertainment value to the viewer, plus bringing something that would take a full day for a one-day or a five-day for a test match into a three-hour package is obviously beneficial in terms of television um, and attendances. But I can't see AFLX actually changing the way AFL is played, or it's not going to be a variant of AFL. Basically, yeah. when the player's still going to handball to a player who's open or kick to a player that's open, if they're in range, they're going to kick the goal. Um, I don't see it really achieving similar results to, say, 2020. Um, I do see issues with the injuries. I do see the fact that, you know, it's barely a warm-up, really, two 10-minute halves um, playing on a soccer field. I can remember when I was um, at school, we had an inter-school carnival and we played footy on on soccer goals and all that happened was people were just taking pot shots from halfway. So I I don't see the concept being that successful in as much as... in as much as changing the game, like, I think, which is the whole reason why 2020s... Um, so successful. Um, I do see, like, I'm very, very um, concerned about injuries, and you can you can say, well, you know, what if they get injured in a JLT game? The JLT games, they, they simulate a real match 
environment. They 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 set you know the same time, the same running is needed. So there is that building, there is that benefit later on in the season. But I don't know how much a little um, a little hit and giggle footy kick to kick kind of game is really going to achieve. Yeah. And I mean, you, you made comparisons with the big bash and what it what it did for cricket. You also like with the timing for cricket thing. You've got like eight hours of gameplay with you know a one day or with cricket, whereas AFL you've got maybe two and a half three hours tops, and it's thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of play in between stoppage time. So I really don't think that you know it's going to do much for the AFL compared to what Big Bash did for cricket, considering the actual timing in between breaks of both sports. Absolutely. The other thing I thought that they might be better off doing is actually targeting this whole competition at strictly under 22 and under. So it gives exposure to all the young talent coming up, leading up to the JLT series. Because the older guys, I mean, really, why would clubs risk it? But I just thought it could be a good way to showcase the younger kids um, Yeah, in the lead up to, to yeah. the JLT. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's at least that, at least that's some, there's some novelty, there's some reason to, to get you to watch it. Um, but yes, I think as it stands, I mean, I like, okay, so uh, is North Melbourne going to risk Ben Brown doing a knee in this? Is Collingwood going to risk Adam Trelaw? Is are the Tigers going to risk Duskity? If you do have this concept, people are still going to want to see the premium players. And yeah. I don't know if people would be that interested in um, shelling out however much it costs, whether it's you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks or whatever, just to see the kids. I mean, yes, there is that curious, that curiosity, I should say, for to see what the new kids are like coming up. But, geez, I don't, without the star power, I can't really see it being that appealing. Yeah, I, th- I think if it's going to work as a concept, they need to have the star power, but clubs aren't going to be willing to, you know, play the players there. But if it really is going to work, it's it's got to be. If clubs are really going to take it, you know, seriously as a concept, there's going to have to be, you know, the bottom fifteen players of the clubs list playing because it's the only way that clubs are genuinely going to be willing to actually take it, you know, as as the concept and run with it. Absolutely. And I know someone mentioned ever- Big Bash before. Would it, I mean, I think it was someone threw it around in the media, but uh, would it ever get to the path where it does end up like the big bash and plays will chop and change clubs, or is it just going to be you, you play for the team that you're already playing for and that's that? I think if the I think if it was, say, limited to eight teams and you had that, you know, you, you sort of had everyone in a pool, sort of like they did do with the big bash initially, I think you would see that, but... I can't see it with, you know, 18 clubs and, you know, players being affiliated to the clubs. I just can't see it being like that. Although it would be interesting to see, say, you know, um, Ben Brown play with, you know, Alex Rance or or whatever the case may be. Um, I just don't don't see that sort of um, new franchise thing really happening. Perhaps, you know, you do a a merger and you have um, some of the AFLW players and... And the men's, and you have a bit of a, um, a modified rules of rules game of that. Maybe there's some interest there. It's something different, but in its current form, I just I, I'm struggling to see the value. That said, I'll probably yeah, watch it. You also have to have a look too. Um, if if 
you know, like you said, if they have a pool where, you know, everyone gets selected to different teams, that's going to interrupt, you know, most uh, every other club's, you know, pre-season training and everything because they're going to need to take time out to train together for the AFLX anyway. So if they're... Um, yeah, if I think it's just better off where it's just you play for the club that you're actually listed at in the AFL because otherwise it's just going to get too messy in terms of scheduling and fixturing um, for training and every for the other other clubs. Yeah, I think yeah, you're spot on there. I, I, like I said, be an int- it would be interesting to see, but I think there's too many logistical nightmares. I'd almost rather see State of Origin. Instead, I know that's a different topic altogether, but if they're going to get the players together to play another type of football during the year, I'd much rather see them play something that's got a bit more pride and worth in it. Absolutely. I yeah. think um, I think I'd, I'd love to see a representative-style game, and before you say international rules is the representative-style game, I don't necessarily agree. I want to see the best AFL players play, the best AFL players. I want to see Martin head-to-head with Dangerfield. I want to see I want to see that as opposed to a stack of professionals against a stack of amateur athletes and, yep. you know, some some hodgepodge of, 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 of the two sports. Um, it's not something that... It's a, it's a poor imitation to representative football, which I think is you know, your AFL or um, your state of origin. Yes, well, we'll be interested to see how how that pans out. I'm sure we're going to revisit this topic as the months go on and it becomes a bit more in our face with with how it's all going to pan out. So maybe it's a bit of a watch this space and we might revisit this one a little bit down the track and see how it's progressed. I guess so. Okay. Um, Okay, um, anything to add on those, guys? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, for you. Yep, you're there. Uh, I'm good. Hopefully it dies out quickly. Okay, so moving on to our next topic, and Bill McLaughlin has flagged the idea of a mid-season trade period. Um, What is everybody's thoughts on that? I I mean, I I think that it's quite a positive thing, but I'm sure there's plenty of things to consider. Um, K4, what's your thoughts? Having a... Having a brief look at it in recent days, I don't mind the idea, but I keep casting my mind back to the EPL and how many people change clubs during that mid-year, or not mid-year, or mid-season trade period. And I'd rather not see a massive flow between clubs. I like the fact that a lot of people stay at the original clubs and play for the same club. Mm. So I'm happy. Don't fix what's not broken. I'm, I'm quite happy with the current system. Maybe a bit of tweaking with a free agency here or there, but at the moment it's going pretty well. Okay. Uh, Michaels, what do you think, mate? I don't mind it. Uh, I mean, we obviously... It's hard because we obviously won a few games based on our small forwards, but a lot of the time during the year we were screaming out for a big centre-half forward because Todd Elton wasn't really sort of cutting it. Griffiths was always injured. Um, so it, it can allow teams to kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit um, and be a bit more aggressive in, in trying to come up the ladder. I kind of feel like it might make teams less complacent if they know they can change their structure halfway through. They might get a, a second half run on in the year to potentially make finals. Um, but the only thing I don't, I wouldn't want to see is I think at the moment with trades as it is, the players have too much control. I think a mid-season draft would be would need to be purely for the club's benefit. They would trade for their needs, not for players wanting to jump ship. Because I think there's far too much control for the players already. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a question. I mean, you know, you've got your, um, you've got, you know, the state of affairs at the moment. Any trade needs to be okayed by the player. Um, and then when players do request trades, they're, you know, highlighting one or two clubs that they want to go to, which is, I think, something that the um, AFLPA have had a massive win on. I think the AFL would not like, all the clubs would not like that at all. Uh, Crocodile, do you think um, do you think that there should be some tweaking to the trade rules if we were going to in- introduce the mid-season trade? Um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm all for the mid-season trade period. Um, I think there were quite a few clubs this year who who would probably would have liked to have had the had a trade period sort of around the buy buy weeks. I mean, you have a look at Brisbane. Um, Brisbane were down to 26, 27 fit players for maybe half the season. They just they'd been hit by so many injuries. Um, so I'm sure they would have loved to have you know been able to trade in a couple of fit, healthy players to just bolster the strength of their side. Um, but I think um, if we're going to go down that route, actually doing proper trades would be a little bit messy given it's during the season. But maybe we could adopt the style of sort of like the EPL where you send players out on loan where you can say, all right, you've got until the end of the season at this club and then they'll return to the other club where it's it's just, you know, there's no there's nothing involved other than just a transfer of paperwork for the player and everything. With the AFL, there's, there's no players traded. There's no pick swaps or anything. It's just, you know, swap, uh, just, yeah, I think that's probably a better better scenario than actually trading mid-season because it's just I think that would just get a bit too messy in the end especially think- since our currency is basically draft picks like <laughs> how do you determine that like use future picks like that's <clears throat> and that's messy in itself so but, yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I do like that at, loan I do like, you have a look like at that the- Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, you have a look at North Melbourne a couple of years ago where they were nine and one. You know, they were flying. You know, they get to, they get to the mid-season trade period and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're in a we're in premiership contention now. We can trade off our first rounder for that final missing piece, and then we know that they ended up missing finals after they they were nine and one. So, I think, um, you know, it, in that scenario, trading picks in a mid-season where you think, you know, you've got it all set up for the rest of the year and then you bomb out in the second half, I think that's where things will get messy if picks are involved. But on the flip side to that, say a team, say, for instance, and I'm only using last year's results as a guide, Brisbane, you know, thereabouts near the eight at the buy period, and they go, okay, well, we could add someone and that might just get us you know, deep in the finals, there's that opportunity there. And I think if the AFL is sort of looking at, you know, equality and having, you know, 18 premiers over 18 years, I think that can be a very good, um, very good aid to that. And it's hard, It's I mean, it's hard to say, like you said, any trade, even at the end of the season, has got its risks and sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't. I mean, there's littered with examples of trades that at the time a team thought that they, you know, they won on and, you know, the, the history proves otherwise. And it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept and I can definitely see, I can definitely see the attractiveness for clubs, but I think also 
the players themselves actually would benefit. For instance, say, um, you know, there's a no injury list and, you know, there's lots of players performing at VFL level that can't break into that top team, yet another team's having massive injury problems, then they can do that loan of a player that really should be playing AFL. Or they can make that trade to get that player so they can get the to get their spot in the top side. Um, so I think I think there would be moderate interest from pretty much all parties. Um that said, I mean, obviously, there are some other fears. I mean, Michaels, I think you raised a point regarding, you know, teams' intellectual property, whether whether if a player goes to a new club, they're, you know, spilling the secrets of their old team or whether there's non-disclosure clauses. Mm. It's um, There'd be a lot of stuff to, to, um, to really make sure that all the t- um, I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. But... Um, any any other potential issues you guys think of? Just while people are thinking of that, we actually have had our, our first comment come through from one of your mates at North Melbourne. Ink Odan one has said, no, the grill mid-season is a shit idea. So, pretty blunt. But, uh, <laughs> we, know, we all know who that is. <laughs> Thank you very much for your feedback. It'll be, uh, it'll be considered accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> all about here involving the fans. So if anyone else is out there is listening, has got comments, send them through on the chat client. And we'll, we'll read them out if they're PG enough. <laughs> uh, but I think like, after hearing all that discussion, I think Grok's fairly spot on. I suppose in the sense that it, it probably will cause more headaches than what it's worth. Um, just so many complexities in, in how we go about our trade. So yeah, I mean, Gill seems pretty keen to introduce it though. So it'd be interesting to see how the clubs respond and and what that first trade period looks like. If it if it does uh, if it does be introduced, when would you guys like to see it actually introduced? Probably after. I think. (laughs) I I think the best opportunity for it would probably be during the the buy rounds. You know, clubs. It's sort of that mid period. I just think if they're going to do it, I do think the AFL need to make sure that they have absolutely thoroughly researched all the possible permutations of it. Um, yeah. I know with the when they get excited, they tend to jump into things very quickly. And yeah, everybody has seen in the past um, where that's come un- unstuck. So yeah, I, I definitely think a, a, a cautious approach would be appropriate. Yeah, that's right. They can't afford to just make a change for the sake of making a change. So it appears like they're keeping up and moving forward in new directions. It's got to be of benefit to the league uh, and the players and the clubs, most importantly. Absolutely. All right, we'll push on to the, the another topic, uh, which has been spoken about for quite a few years now, but it does look like it's going to be on the cards in the next few years, according to the AFL. A Twilight and Night Grand Final. Grok, thoughts on the concept of the Twilight Night Grand Final in comparison to the traditional The Day Grand Final? I think the I think a Twilight Grand Final is it's very divisive among um, among football fans. I think most of the newer generation of football fans don't really mind it, whereas you got the old diehards that are, are staunchly adamant that it needs to stay as a day Grand Final. Um, I, I just think um, it sort of depends on what the current circumstances are um, for people. I think 
I think for families, it's probably better to have a Twilight Grand Final. You know, they've got a little bit of a day to spend with the kids and stuff before the game. You know, they don't have to rush. They can go out and have lunch and then go to the game. Um, I, I just think um, the 2.30 start for the Grand Final has become tradition for everyone. And I, I just feel that it's probably best to be left as it is at the moment. Like, what's the point of changing it, to be honest? Is there, is there really any other benefit other than to families for it? I think from an entertainment perspective, it would probably come across a, a bit better at night. Um, I don't think they're going to lose anything. Yeah. They won't lose any viewers or lose any attendees because the members of both clubs are still going to turn up in their droves to watch it. So they'll probably just get, I suppose, an advantage to create more of a build-up towards the game. Uh, LeGru, what about your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, you raise a, a good point. It's more about the entertainment issue, but... Um, unless you're, you know, booking someone like Kiss or Guns N' Roses as the the, the pregame or, or, or halftime entertainment, I don't really see whether playing it at daytime or nighttime makes a massive difference. Um, I'm I'm really I'm fifty fifty on this one. Um, sorry to sit on the fence, but I like and being in WA when the game's on about lunchtime, it is a bit of a pain in the backside, particularly if you're trying to cook a barbecue whilst you know, still watching the game, usually someone has to sacrifice one for the other. Um, so in that respect, I think a later start could be good. Um, but having attended a grand final a few years ago, I found that just wanted the game to start, um, even as a neutral viewer, um, obviously starting 2.30 Melbourne time. You've got you've got that time where you're just kind of twiddling your thumbs and kind of just, you know, watching the grand fin- the heats of the grand final sprint and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you just want to watch the game. And I can see that. I can see that becoming obviously worse if you're pushing the time later. However, it does give another opportunity to have the, the old curtain raises you know, the under-18s grand final or the VFL, whatever. And I think if you went down that path and made a full festival of AFL sort of thing about it, then I can see that working. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, play it 3.30 in the morning on a on a Sunday morning and I'll still watch it. So I'm, I'm happy, you know, grand final's a grand final, you watch it whenever. So not really a big issue for me. I think it's a good call about the curtain raiser as well. I mean, that's one thing I miss from even just the week-to-week games, like seeing the VFL or the TAC guys running around. So if the AFL were prepared to, like you said, make it a bit more inclusive with all of that, I think they could be onto a winner. So, Ken Grease Forever, what about yourself? What are your thoughts on the Twilight Grand Final concept? Well, you have a good point about the curtain raisers, and it's kind of swayed my opinion. Beforehand, I was a bit more of a traditionalist in that it should stay in the day. The reasons were basically, look, it's history, it's historical, it's been like that for a long time. Also, it's nice seeing the MCG in sunlight, it's just something about it. Yeah, the night lights offer something else, but you know, nothing beats a nice sunny September or early October sometimes. <laughs> Grand final, it, it's beautiful, but a curtain raiser does offer something different. I think that's worthwhile to the crowd going into the ground. I'm not sure in terms of broadcasting will make any difference, but I'm not... I'm 50-50 with this. I think on the flip side with the curtain raiser, it doesn't really... It doesn't need to be a Twilight Grand Final for that to happen. There's enough time 
for a curtain raiser to still take place in the current time slot. If they start the game at 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, um, I'm sure you know the TAC under-18 guys won't have any issues about playing a slightly earlier game from it playing in front of the G on grand final day. But Yeah, well, absolutely. It, it would be nice to see something like that introduced, but I think by the sounds of what Gil's saying, we will see one uh, maybe as a trial sooner rather than later. But yeah, it will be yeah. interesting to see how how everyone sort of copes with it, even from even yeah. all the shops and the, you know, just with all the foot traffic going through the city and things like that. I know there was a bit of concern about having people drinking a lot more during the day, so they could be a bit more rowdy at night time, but I think you'll get that anywhere. It doesn't really matter what time of day it's played. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, oh, sorry, you go. You go. I mean, you have, you have a look at uh, Swan Street after the Tigers won. That's, I mean, <laughs> people are, people are going to drink no matter what time of the day it is, like especially if their team's playing in the grand final. It's just one of those things. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. If you know, if you're going, if you're in, having grand final day, enjoying it, you're going to have a few drinks. It's no matter what time of the day it is, you're going to get a few people who who just take things too far. I cracked a Canadian uh, club at ten thirty in the morning on that day. Well, uh, I actually <laughs> cracked into one myself at about nine thirty. I woke up and cracked into it and cooked some breakfast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any, any other uh, but, yeah, thoughts on the, the Twilight? I'm just getting back to what you were saying about the uh, the curtain raises. I think also with um, I think it's probably going to be perhaps a bigger thing than what it was say in the mid '90s. Whereas now there is that focus on the kids, you know, with the night of the draft. There, you know, the casual fan is more interested in you know the potential draftees. Whereas you know. 20 years ago in the mid-90s, you know, you used to have those, you know, those tack cups and then you'd go into the reserves and you'd go into the main game and probably reasonably um, reasonably poor um, ratings TV-wise. But I think now with that, you know, just that need for information that, I mean, look, we're on a site that talks football all day, every day. So, I mean... It could. There is a possibility there to maybe build up those kind of games and those Tac Cup Grand Finals and all that sort of stuff to a national audience. Absolutely. I mean, right, so we're kind of still split fifty-fifty on the night Grand Final. But I mean, if you if you're talking about entertainment for a Grand Final and the AFL really want to make AFL X, you know, get why not have you know a game of AFL X before the actual Grand Final between the players that aren't playing for the Grand Final teams? Like that way they can feel involved in the actual day yeah. of the Grand Final, seeing as though they they were help, they were part of the reason to get the clubs there. I think they yeah. should get a little bit of recognition for their work by getting out onto the ground in some other capacity, other than you know if their team wins to celebrate with the other players. Yeah, or do you, or do you make it like? Or, I mean, you could you could throw that. You could also make it like you know the NBA All Star Games with the skills competitions and the dunk yeah. comps. I mean, obviously, you obviously you're going to have to modify that for the AFL thing, but have it all in the same area. I know they had the kick yeah. across the lake, like but... around, yeah, around the um, like an around the world goal kicking competition or something. Just yeah, you know, something like that. Oh, that's good I mean, discussion points. Hopefully, we'll pass this podcast on to Gil, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can get some of those over the line. <laughs> um, yeah, Gil, if you're listening, um, just uh, give us a little bit of a tinkle on uh, Spreaker, and um, we can we can convey your thoughts to the masses. Exactly right. <laughs> 
Okie dokes. So now we they were the sorry <laughs> they were the uh, obviously the three points that we were going to bring up. Um, considering that today's the official launch of the Big Bash, I just thought we'd have a very quick discussion on um, what we all think is going to happen with the Big Bash. I mean, there is a game currently in progress, the Sydney Derby or Derby for yep. the brothers and sisters in the West. Um, we've got the Sixers, nine for 149 off their 20 overs. Um, Sam Billings, top scorer with 32. Um, just bringing up the bowling figures. Best um, of the Ahmed, two for 11 off four. That's pretty good. was the Um, best figures of the bowlers. Yeah, and Shane Watson bowled one over for 15, so that's particularly noteworthy. So, um, guys, what do you think in terms of the favourites for the tournament? Um, Michaels? I change year on year. I I like the stars, but they always seem to choke right at the wrong moment, so... I'm not sure how they're going to go, but I think Tassie could be a bit of a sneaky wild card to to be up and about and pinch a few wins. But, um, I mean, Scorchers will be up there as well, but they were talking about it on the radio during the Ashes coverage about if Perth were to make the grand final, that it would potentially have to be at the new stadium after having played all their other games uh, at the Wacker. So that poses an interesting situation for them as well. But um, I, I'm going to stick with the Stars only because I, I, I do follow them a little bit, but it... Really, with the way the, the format of the competition, it's literally anyone's game, I and mean, that's the best part about it. Yeah, and that, again, that's a, going going back to the AFLX. You know, you've got that. It's just changes the game. Like you know, two overs in a twenty twenty game. If you lose, you know, four for not very many, that completely changes the complexion of the game. No matter if you're, you know, none for a hundred or or whatever the case may be. And also, if you you know you're struggling and you have two two brilliant overs where he scored 20 off and over, he, you know, the game has completely changed. And that's why that adds to the game of career. That, that format, that gives it something different that you, that you don't see necessarily in a test match or a one day Um K4, what's your thoughts on the uh, favourites for the competition? Well, my smoky just got stolen. But, yeah, Hobart, I think, is going to be... Yeah, I've, I've followed Hobart for a long time because I've been a Ricky Ponting fan for oh, 20 years. So I've, I've got to back them in for this year, even though they probably won't win it. <laughs> yeah, I think the Melbourne sides might actually surprise a bit this year as well. I think they'll show a few sides up. But I'll back Tasmania in, not because they've got anything special, but <laughs> because I, they're the team I follow. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, Grokadoc, what are you thinking, mate? Um, for me, it's it's hard to go past the Scorchers. Um, you know, they've been they've probably been the best side of the um, of the BBL over the past seven seasons or whatever it is um, that it's been running. I, I just think they've got the best bowling attack um, in the league, it, uh, spearheaded by the best domestic bowler for one day cricket. Um, in Australia, in Jason Berendorf, I just think he is an absolute gun of a bowler. And then they've, you know, they've got Nathan Coulter, Nile, Andrew Tyre, who are amazing death bowlers as well. I just think that their bowling attack is is far too strong for most of the batting lineups um, in the BBL. So the Scorchers for me 
especially at the at the Wacker. Um, that I reckon they'll be the one to beat this season. As long as they keep the covers on the pitch, of course, if it rains again. But um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I look. I don't think I've ever rated the Scorch as a chance any season. Um, I don't know whether that's because you know I want them to win, and I'm always a little bit pessimistic. But but at this stage, I think you know the Scorchers have to be in the conversation purely because no matter whatever the team looks like on paper, they seem to be able to pull it out. Um, I do think, um, yeah, one of the Melbourne teams, either the Renegades or the Stars, both have pretty strong lists. Um, so they're going to obviously always be very competitive. Um, and is Chris Lynn fit? Because if he is fit, I think Brisbane could be a smoky. Yeah, Brisbane were probably going to be my other my other choice, depending on how Chris Lynn uh, goes, if he's fit or not. He can hit a ball. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. He can yeah, we'll, Sorry, we'll I think a... my kids were just making a racket there. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. No, it'll be a, an interesting tournament. Um, the Like I said, though, with, with Perth, the thing that can, can undo them if they do go all the way is the change of venue. But, I mean, they'll, they're professionals. They'll deal with that if it happens. But um, the other thing that it kind of gets frustrating is when the good players start to miss, but it's because they're playing in the national side or they're in the, the extended squad. So it does kind of yeah. take away from the spectacle a little bit. It would be nice to see all the best players playing at every given time, but it is still good to see some of the, the guys not in the Aussie squad making a real big name for themselves, and some of the hits you see yeah. out there these days are just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah, one of the things with the Scorchers, their batting lineup will probably be hit by um, national selection. I mean, you've got Sean Marsh, Mitch Marsh, Cameron Bancroft, if he, yeah. if he gets... Yeah, if he gets the if he gets the gloves again, it's just their batting lineup is so heavily dependent on uh, national selection at the moment. Yeah, that's a fairly good point, and it's you know it, it's a it's a completely valid point. I mean, the the national it, it is a shame that you know you don't have the test players available to you. Um, I think you know that would just make it. Well, I mean, I think the Big Bash League is probably one of the premier 2020 competitions and, you know, maybe on alongside the IPL. But, um, yeah, it would be really good to see the test players in the squads. and But you can't fit all the cricket in all the time. So it'll, Exactly. It gives, and I do, one thing I do like about the Big Bash, it's usually some guy who might be, uh, you know, a, um, a borderline state player, has a really good has a really good tournament and all of a sudden everyone's talking about him and, you know, that, that that's a really good thing when you sort of see players pop out of nowhere and, yeah. I mean, obviously it happens it was, in shield cricket, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that was Sam Moore. It's usually the keepers too. <laughs> it's usually the keepers, Ben Dunk, and then it was Tim Ludman from Adelaide and then it was Sam Whiteman last year from the Scorchers. Yeah. It's usually the wicket-keeper batsmen that actually just have breakout seasons. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I remember um, in the first, one of the first years, um, Craig Simmons, who... Oh! But <laughs> working for Western Power, and then the next week he's playing 2020 <laughs> cricket. Scores, and, scores a century. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, those sort of stories are great. And it's this style of cricket is really conducive to that kind of thing. But wasn't Dusty yeah. Short playing like third grade cricket in Tasmania or something like that? And he 
He came out yeah. and smacked a good 80 or 90. McDermott, who I didn't rate as a batsman, mate, scored a good century or two centuries. So they just come out of nowhere sometimes. So, what, Keith, anyway, there's a chance for you here. If you perform on the weekend, you'd be putting your hand up. So what, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't slog it. I'm... Yeah, I'm very much a Damien Martin grinded out type batsman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gelly, I mean, you can nudge the ball around, get the strike moving, hold up an end, you know, bat for the red ink. Yeah, for, for one ball. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll push, the other part of cricket we'll push on to and talk about quickly because it just happened was uh, obviously Australia regaining the ashes on the back of a, a pretty good performance over in Perth. Steve Smith, 239, and Mitch Marsh, 181, were pretty impressive with the bat. Given the criticism surrounding the Mitch Marsh selection, I think he justified his spot. Just. Just. Only just. But yes. um, yeah. And uh, all the other ones I want to mention as well is Tim Payne, 49, not out, and Pat Cummins. were pretty good cameos at the end there that really sort of put us into a good position to be able to win the game. And then Hazelwood with the ball, five wickets in the second innings, including both the openers, pretty much set the win up. Yeah, absolutely. Poor form um, by Steve Smith not to get uh, Tim Smith to his half century. Uh, Timmy Payne to get his 50. Yeah, I was Poor thinking form. that too when he, when he pulled the pin. But it's a team game, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, to, to players, to, I mean, it would be really important to me because I never scored many 50s when I played cricket. But do you think to a person like Tim Payne, scoring a 50 would be such a big deal? Probably not. He probably, he probably wouldn't have to <laughs> yeah. play his role and and knock the total up a bit more to make it harder for England. But, I mean, this probably, this probably would have been a bit of joking in the rooms about why didn't you let me get to the 50, but oh, I don't yeah. think he would have cared. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have cared. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, um, yeah, obviously, as we alluded... Sorry? Oh, no, go on. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, there was a little bit of controversy with the, uh, with the ground staff... Um, not quite doing their job properly and uh, allowing some rain onto the pitch. Um, surely, that, surely that was Ian Botham overnight just chucking a bot- like a bucket of water underneath the covers. Yeah, <laughs> saving Joe Root. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, he would have got Joe away was very, He was very <laughs> upset. I don't know. I think he protests too much. Yeah, it's, uh... oh, I don't know. The, book- the bookies might have done something. There's a bit of a rumour <laughs> going around that they were doing yeah, something. Yeah, the mat- the match fixing. It's funny because before that day's play took place, a few of us guys at work were talking about the fact that as a, a spectator and from a marketing perspective, it's probably in cricket's best interest for the Boxing Day test to not be a dead rubber. And then all of a sudden, there's water on the pitch that really, how often has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I heard um, on day four, actually I heard on the way home, that the groundskeeper who was pulling the... Uh, pulling the, the things on day four got blown whilst um, putting the covers on and uh, actually copped a uh, concussion. So I'm Ooh. wondering if they're, man- if they're manufacturing a, a, an excuse or not. I'm not too sure, but I thought it was an interesting point. Yes, but uh, that was good to retain the ashes. It'll be interesting to see how both teams approach the, the next couple of test matches um, with you know, being a dead rubber. I still think the Aussies want to go for the clean sweep. Um, but I, from a spectator point of view, I do hope England put up a bit more of a fight and make it a bit more of a competitive match. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what? Um, so what do you guys think about the big um, hoo-ha made over the summer so far about the sledging? I mean, from my point of view, 
as soon as it started to get talked about by the English side, as soon as Jimmy Anderson popped up the first time, you and watching it, you knew that, well, they're not here to play. Yeah, yeah. Sled, sledging's been around for 150 years in cricket, and it'll be the, here 150 years later. It's just because now exactly. we've got stump mics and the media just, like, create drama and headlines, yada, yada, yada. Like, you can go on YouTube and you can see Mark Bout just slouching, oh, sledging Zimbabweans of all people. So yeah. it happens all the time, no matter the circumstances. And, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't want to get sledged for headbutting someone, don't headbutt someone. Don't headbutt them, yeah. I, I, I think the... Um... I think with England, it's just coming across as a bit of sour grapes because there wasn't they they weren't complaining about the sledging during the first test, and then you know everything just sort of escalated from there. But if you go over to England, they get um, the England players start sledging the uh, visitors anyway, so it's just like it's a case of wanting their cake and eating it too. It's just what? you can't you can't. Yeah, you can't sit there and, you know, have a reputation for sledging international visitors when they when they visit your country, but then complain about, you know, hosts giving back to you when you visit their country. It's it's just typical whinging pom mentality. <laughs> but like like K four said, I mean, it's been around since the game has. So like, you know, it's all part of it. I mean, if they if they hopped on a plane to come over here and didn't think it was gonna happen well, then they're idiots because it was always going to happen. And like with any exactly sport, right. It's not personal or about family and things like that. It's fair game, I reckon. Oh, yeah. no, um, yeah, I don't know. Mitch Marsh copped it pretty bad over Gary Lyon <laughs> from the oh, Barmy yeah. Army, but that's the Barmy yeah. Army for you. They're, they're very quick to get onto that kind of stuff. I actually didn't that's... know Nathan Lyon was related to Gary Lyon. Yeah, nephew. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that at all. There you go. No, 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 and I didn't know cheating was a genetic disporter. Or <laughs> mm. shaggy mates. Or art. I, I just think it's a bit hypocritical of the England players to um to single out the Australian players as well, given what the bar- the Barmy Army sledging players either. They they haven't taken offence to some of the stuff that they've reportedly been chanting, which for me has actually crossed the line anyway. So it's just like what do they really have to to be upset about like they just want to divert attention away from their crap performance I'll worry about it well yeah exactly. and I think I think that's a big part of it because I think like obviously you know there's a lot more staff you know with jobs to lose and all that sort of stuff so if you start controlling the narrative you know like you know you get the public the English public on side with you you know you, you think oh well they had a you know it was a it was a fierce environment. It was really hard. It's oh, really hard. Yeah. They had to deal with that. And yet then you'll find that, you know, the coaching staff, the fitness staff, whatever the case, they're all not absolved of any responsibility, but you start to throw in supposed extenuating circumstances and they're not potentially given the, um, the scrutiny that they should be. Mm. Yeah, at least the complacency and comfortability in their positions. Absolutely, yeah. It's actually interesting, just a side topic while we're talking about cricket, is the four-day, there's going to be a four-day test match between South Africa and Zimbabwe So that, on Boxing Day, which is interesting. Would would you ever see that happening, these four-day tests? Well, 
I don't like it myself because, I mean, look, I mean, just look at our last test. We had a pretty good last day with lots of drama that we wouldn't have had if it was a four-day game. It would have just been a draw. And yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that really. Um, what about against it, lower tier sides? Would that work, or is that just too complicated? I, th- I think that would come across as disrespectful, though. To be honest, yeah. like you're yeah. schedule, scheduling a lower ranked side in the four days, like okay, we're comfortable, we're pretty comfortable that we'll be able to roll you pretty easily in both innings. So, well, they've just, they've, I, they've I already think... done that already against with South Africa against Zimbabwe. Oh, it's just Zimbabwe. Yeah. We can do it in four days. Yeah, but uh, Zimbabwe are, just, are one of those um, cricketing nations that are just happy to be. Um, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll take yeah. the paycheck and go home. They, they wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just so, yeah, I don't think, like, I think five days, leave it at that, you know, everybody plays under the same conditions. It's just, if you start picking and choosing and it just becomes, it becomes unnecessarily complex and I don't see, I don't see the benefit in knocking a day off. I mean, test cricket is test cricket because it's test, it's, you know, it's, the five days is part of the tactics, you know. Mm. As a bowler, you need to be able to get a batsman out, and if you don't get them out, they bat all day. Batsmen need to bat all that time. I think it's kind of diluting the product. Uh, Then you also have a look, too. If you lose a day washed out terrain, then you've only had three days play. It's just it's not enough. Absolutely, yeah. Right, we'll finish off the cricket talk there. And just an update on the T20. The Thunder are one wicket for two runs. So, yeah, they're uh, already up against it. Watson's now in the crease, and I've got no doubt he'll go at LBW in the next two overs. And he'll, try and, <laughs> he'll try and refer the decision as well. Um, Review it, yeah. Yeah, well, before we wrap up, it's obviously Christmas time of the year, so I'm not sure what everyone's status is in terms of partners and, and all that kind of stuff, but... I hate shopping, and I was lucky enough to be able to have my partner do the shopping this year, which has been a blessing in disguise. Well, I did enough of it while I was away in America a few weeks ago. Didn't need to do any more down here. Have you blokes been dragged around to the shops the last few weeks, or do you enjoy shopping, or have you got it all done? Online shopping is your friend, I've found, in these circumstances. However, um, I've, yeah, I've, uh, I'm not too sure how I'm going to treat this. There's one instance I was buying a gift for my mum, um, and I wanted to buy her a, uh, a, refle- a reflexology massage. And I found a site, all, all well and good. The reflexology massages are $60 a turn. However, they only sell gift t- certificates in 50s or 100. So <laughs> I don't know whether that's good, good sales technique. So you either have to go for the go for the $100 one, but then you've got 40 bucks left over, and that's only a portion of a another treatment or do you do the the fifty dollars with the ten dollar note here mum <laughs> you know yeah. that's for it that's for that's for the reflexology so yeah i that's the only sort of issue that i've had this year with the um christmas shopping otherwise it's gone pretty smooth okay grok have you had any shopping issues um, no, not really. I'm a, I'm a compulsive spender, so I usually know like, what I'm going to get people months in advance. Um, oh, the only thing I've... Like like, yeah. See, uh, it's usually pretty easy because the, the family, the rallies usually just want money or whatever, so that, that's, fair, that's fairly easy to do. Um, like my mum, 
um, she ordered a couple of balls of um, yarn she's wanted online, so I'll, I'll just give her the money for that, um, pay for her for that, and I just got to get a couple of gift ca- gift cards for uh, my sister in law um, to Peter Alexander because that's that's what she wants. So that's that's pretty easy, and I'll get that all done tomorrow. So easily can just spend the weekend relaxing now. So it's all done. Very good. And if uh, Peter Alexander wants to sponsor the show, um, <laughs> you get in touch with me via Big Footy and I'll uh, work out a uh, package for you. Thank you. <laughs> Kay, Ford, what about yourself? You've got, had any shopping issues or pretty clean cut? Uh, pretty clean cut. Our family does Secret Santa to save on a bit of money because we have such a large family. So it saves a lot of money. Online shopping is uh, my friend. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the other story I, I want to tell is, I don't know if everyone else is like this, but I, I'm if I know something somewhere and I can access it and see it if I'm not meant to, I'm probably going to try and do it. So the wife got out <laughs> yeah. whatever present it is that she's got me. Um, I think I've worked out what it is, but she keeps denying it and saying it's something else. But that's a different story. So I woke up this morning. Is it a photo? Is, a, is it a uh, signed Guernsey of the no, I, I, 2000- no, I've ordered that myself. I don't think it's anything <laughs> Richmond-related, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I woke up this morning, and I noticed one of the door handles on our spare bedroom was vastly different to every other handle on our house. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Like, key-locked, I'm talking. Um, I tried to open it. The spare bedroom's locked. I said, well, why is the spare bedroom locked? And yeah, so she's actually, while I was out helping a mate move house on the weekend, she went and bought a new door handle, <laughs> fitted it, and locked it so I couldn't have access to see what the present was that she's got me. So... Uh, That's pretty sure. impressive. It is impressive, um, and it makes sounds like she knows you too well. Well, yeah, so I, it's my own fault, really. <laughs> but it makes me feel like it's going to be a good present. If you if you go into the lengths to lock someone out of the room, surely there's something good behind the door. So I mean, it's yeah, not I mean, been, like a, a Lynx gift pack or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the ultimate troll. That would. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I've I've already figured out what. I'm I'm getting from my brother. Uh, It was pretty unfortunate, but I actually ran into him uh, while I was doing my Christmas shopping, uh, coming out of a tattoo parlor um, with a (laughs) gift card, with a gift card with my name on it. So I was just like completely like, I was just like, oh, okay then. Yeah, I know what you're getting me. It's just like, damn it. It's just one of those things. It's just, oh. It's a tricky time of year, and to be honest, I haven't actually gotten the wife anything yet. I know what I'm going to get, I've just got to find the time to be able to go and get it without her knowing. And there's always all these complex issues that you can't use, you know, if you've got a joint bank account, you can't use it, because they can see where you bought stuff from, so you just have to go to so many different lengths to get stuff done. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, if you're getting gift cards, usually go to Coles or or Woolies or something like that, and you can usually get around it, but yeah... I certainly see your point. Hmm. Oh, that's all I wanted to talk about for Christmas. So Okay. Yes. Well, I think that's pretty much covered all the points we were going to make. Um, if you do want to appear as a guest panellist on the show, get in touch with either Michaels or myself on Bigfooty. Um, also, if you are listening on iTunes, actually give us a rating because... That allows us to get more more exposure on the iTunes side of things and, you know, puts more money in Chief's pockets through 
the premium membership. Ivory back scratcher. <laughs> that's right. So I mean, that's why we're here. We're here to make cheap money, and that's it. So, um, so yeah, help him out there because he's doing it tough. Apparently, he only got one at Faberge egg for Christmas this year. So, oh yeah, poor thing. <laughs> so we, you know, we are uh, we all doing our bit to help him out. Um, anybody else got anything to add before we go? No. no. Going thanks for coming on as one of our first guests, and same to you, Kangaroos Forever. Very much appreciated. Uh, and the grill, no thanks worries. for jumping on board and uh, steering the ship with us. So thank you for everyone for <laughs> listening. Uh, we will upload this to iTunes, and I'll put a Spreaker link up on Bigfoot in various places afterwards. Uh, we probably won't do another show before Christmas. So for everyone out there listening, please have a, a merry Christmas. Uh, make sure you, you eat lots and. Don't drink too much and don't do anything too silly. And we will have another episode up and running not long after Christmas. We'll, we'll work that one out and we'll let everyone know when that's occurring. So thank you once again, guys, for your time. Thank All you. Right. <laughs>